century America today, we can experience God, His Holy Spirit, that, that He, that, that we as Christians, we, uh, that we have a real God, a real Christ that's here, that's really does grow in us, Christ that's here, really does minister to us, that we can just start a living God, and, and that uh, Paul here is praying for, for the Ephesians. So I want, I want you today, all of us, to see in the text that, that we we can experience Christ, that the love of Christ in our heart is something that the world doesn't have, that we, we experience Christ, that we can And Paul encourages us, he, he lays out just, just the, uh, the, uh, the sequence of, of, of things that he prays for so that he, as he says, filled with all the If anyone needs a Bible, we, we've got some over here. We'll, we'll get some. If anybody needs a Bible, raise your hand, please. We'll get you one. All right, let's, let's begin reading. Ephesians 3, 14. <clears throat> For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, you being rooted and grounded in love, 
want to establish a little context by, by way of introduction before we get into the meat of this, uh, of, of this text. And, we, and my, I only have two points for this morning. And that, and that is, my first point is strengthened by the Spirit. My second point is experiencing love of Christ. But before we get there, we need to lay uh, a foundation of context. There's a few things we need to, uh, we need to prove. thing I want to prove out from here, and, and, and uh, this, this, can, this can be a little unclear if you just take this verse in, out, of, out of context, is that Paul is praying for believers. He's not praying, you see, you see that phrase, that Christ has love in the heart, that's the we'll, we'll get into that in a minute, but your, your reaction might be, this, this, this passage by itself might just, uh, just think, well, he's praying for unbelievers. starts this 
was what we call a parenthetical statement or the parentheses around. But he says, for this reason, in chapter 3, verse 4, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, on behalf of the Gentiles, and then he goes into another part, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me, and he goes into uh, his ministry as an apostle, and it's kind of, it's, it's a statement that doesn't, it doesn't really contribute to the, to the, to the statement you made before. It's, it's, you can put parentheses around. Does describe kind of uh, what he said in chapter two. He's drawn a little more out of what he said in chapter two. So what the prayer he says for this reason, perhaps it's because from chapter two he's finishing a thought that he started there in chapter two. For this reason, he starts in the beginning of chapter three. He gets this thought on a. Uh, he kind of throws another thought in there, but 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 the meat of what he's of what he's getting at. passage overall. So Ephesians 2 11. Now I'm going to read through the chapter. Therefore remember that at one time you Gentiles in the flesh called the uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ. Alienated from the commonwealth of Israel. And strangers to the covenants of promise. Having no hope and without God in the world. But now in Christ Jesus you who once were far off have been brought has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the commandments expressed in ordinances. That he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to you who were near. For through him we both have access, that's Jews and Gentiles, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure, being joined together, grows into a holy temple of the Lord. And you, know, you also, that is, the Gentiles, the Ephesians, they're, they're Gentiles, you people, And so you have here Paul talking, speaking to the Gentiles, warning them that he wants them to be a burning and bitter that they, like, this is my dad's church, the Father of Jesus. He wants, he wants to, to make it clear that Christ broke down that dividing wall of hostility. And, and that, that we're all one in Christ now. There's no Jew, no Gentile. We're all one in Christ. And so for this reason, I call, that's where he gets, that's where he picks up this call of the church, of his prayer. And, and so we, we, we get back to 14, and again, he starts it here in Ephesians 3, verse 4, chapter 3, verse 1, he gets off on another train of thought and picks back up in verse 14. So for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. And, and, and so this this is the uh, this is kind of the, this is the context of his prayer. He wants them to realize that they have access to the saints. That, that they, uh, they who once were far, far off have been brought near. He's, he's speaking to praying for believers. He said, for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. So he's, he's bowing his knees in prayer. He's praying for them. For whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. And now, uh, 
before, before we get into the first point, let's, let's break apart uh, verses 14 and 15. This is part of the context. This will help through this uh, in, your, in your mind uh, that th this is a prayer for believers. This, this is going to be important going forward. This is for believers. This is for us. This is a prayer for us. And, uh, and so for this reason, I bow my knees before the Father. So, so he's bowing his knees before the Father. whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. Okay, now this statement uh, can, can be initially confusing, but this, this, this helps through the context. Uh, every family in heaven and on earth is named, starting with Father. And, and uh, that could mean one of two things in the immediate uh, understanding here. Is it could mean every family ever, every, every person that's ever been born has been named by God. That's true. Or he could mean, and what he, what he actually means, family of believers, every family uh, in a better a better translation here would actually be the whole family. That, that, that's grammatically in the Greek because it's a pasta patria or uh, the whole fatherhood or, or all the fatherhood uh, which is in Greek that word patria that is the work of family that we've understood as the word our work of family. And, uh, and so you have here So this isn't talking about every family in general, subject matter that's ever, ever uh, lived on earth, but rather the whole family of believers. And, and so that helps that helps us understand that Paul, Paul isn't speaking in the weak. He's saying, you're part of this family. I'm praying for you. You're part of this family. You have the same father. And that's the point that, that he draws out in, in chapter 2 and, 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 and speaks to in chapter, chapter 3. It's, and so, so we have... Context is very important, but uh, you have Paul praying for believers. He's writing to believers, praying for them. And, and the second thing I want to draw out here uh, before before I get into my first point is this is a prayer for us that we have to have. We must have a, a personal interest in this, otherwise we just read uh, some prayer written two thousand years ago, some forty years ago. We, we need to. Need to establish that this is a uh, this is a prayer for us, and, and, it, and it's very it's very easy and simple to do that. And all we got to do is just read through. Uh, I'm gonna read it again, just just briefly. For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, for whom every family, the whole family. Now, now we're we're part of that family. We we've, we've been bought by the blood of Christ. If indeed we've tasted of the Lord's blood, so the whole family. Where we, where we grab 
what is the breadth and length and height and depth and the knowing of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. And so this isn't just a prayer for the deacons, this is a prayer for all the saints. That, that is, uh, in Greek, that means those who have been set apart by God. It's the set apart group of God who all those who have believed on Christ. And so this, this is for us. This, this is something we, we should want. It's for all the saints. Paul wants this. He's praying it specifically for them, but uh, but it is a prayer for all the saints. Mm-hmm. And so with that with that framework kind of established there, uh, let's let's get into the first point. That is uh, the, the the title of my first point: strengthened by the Spirit. And so uh, so we see, and, and, and if we if we read this. hard to understand it just reading it through without any, any real uh, depth. But but we see here in verse 19 the kind of the sum of, of the whole of the whole uh, prayer. That is, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So Paul is praying, he's praying the whole prayer and he's really kind of a sequence of, of, uh, of what he would have them of specific things that lead to this feeling of the fullness of God. And that, that's, that's the, the goal of the prayer. He actually describes, and we'll get into that in the second point, what it leads to the feeling of the fullness of God. So that's what he wants to do. So, uh, so he's praying that they be filled with all the fullness of God. That's, that's the sum of his prayer. And he explains what that means. But, but he starts, he says, For this reason, I bow my knees before the Father, that according to the riches of his According to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through the Spirit in the living way. So that's where Paul starts here. Is is being filled with the fullness of God, which which is uh, which I'll, I'll argue in a minute, uh, I'm trying to draw out this experiential uh, this is an experience with God that surpasses knowledge. We'll see that in a minute. It starts with strength that comes from power through the Spirit in our inner being. we have 
Wild 18, we see just a couple pages over here. Do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Here we have the filling of the Spirit affecting the heart. Melody coming from the heart as a result of the filling of the Spirit. First John. This we know that we abide in him and he in us because he has given us of the Spirit. And so there you see the Spirit uh, giving assurance a little more on the faith. The, the Spirit is strengthening faith here in John, 1 John 4, 13. And that, that's, that's important because I'm going to draw out uh, exactly the role of the Spirit in, in this prayer that Paul, or, or, or one of the roles. So we see we see the, the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit brings uh, joy, peace, faith, hope, and, and, and of course we know the fruit of the Spirit uh, in Galatians as we have the whole list. I don't have it memorized, but uh, but the Spirit He has power to to affect us in a spiritual way. And, and Paul is praying. This is this isn't a novel idea here. With power, I'm sorry, God. He would, and he would have the Spirit to strengthen them, yes, with power in their inner being. And then you get to verse 17. So that, this is a result of this prayer, this Holy Spirit provides. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And so the Spirit, he, he, he's saying, I want you to be strengthened in the Spirit so that Christ dwells in your hearts through faith. And, and to, and, and, and we see that, and we think, well, that doesn't make sense, you know, Christ is already there, and, uh, and why, why, why does he say Christ comes and dwells there, but, but, uh, but I think part of the problem is, is uh, in, our, in our 21st century understanding, you living here in the Bible Belt, we hear this phrase all the time, you know, ask Jesus in your heart, or, or uh, Jesus comes. disconnect comes from the language we use we, we, we look through that lens back in the Bible we see Paul saying you have Christ dwelling in the heart and we, we, uh, we attach our understanding at least me when I was studying this I, that's, that was the struggle I had and I feel, I feel that uh, a lot of others have that struggle to kind of see what Paul means because we've already established he's all believers in Christ and so, so he's not praying Christ will come into their hearts. He's not praying that. So the question is, what, what does he mean? And, uh, and so I, I, I mentioned the, the fact that our understanding has kind of, kind of uh, the waters have been muddied a little bit in our understanding of, of Christ dwelling in the heart. But but I would uh, I would I would to, to me there, there's a there's only really one one way given the context, and that is Paul doesn't mean Christ literally coming to your heart, but rather, he's already, he's already established the Spirit
simply coming from a, from a knowledge, and we'll get into this, from a head knowledge into an actual experiential knowledge of Christ. Christ is dwelling in, in the seat, the, the source of our emotions. That's, uh, and, 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 and again, we're going to break this down more. But that Christ is coming and literally uh, from, from, from our perspective, from our human perspective, that, that we
lot of hesitancy around the subject of uh, what's called baptism of the Holy Spirit or being filled with the Spirit. And, and a lot of that comes from a, a very skewed idea of what that is, a non-biblical idea of what that is. And, and, and that comes from losing the object of the faith, the Word, being rooted and grounded within the Word. And, and, that, and that's important, too, because I don't, I don't want us to hesitate to, to embrace all that God has what, what Paul prays for here, which is salvation for us. But uh, well, I don't, we don't need it. We, it's important not to be so afraid of error that we go, we go the other way. You know, that, that, that's, that's important. I want to be frank. But so the Spirit strengthens our faith so that Christ dwells there. Christ makes a residence in our hearts. And uh, so, so basically what Paul's saying here is that he wants them to feel the real presence of Christ through faith. Faith coming by the strength of the Holy Spirit. Again, faith. Uh, faith requires an object. Faith requires an object. Faith is the Word of God. So, so us being, being rooted and grounded uh, in, in the Word, the Spirit brings the Word alive. As we heard in, 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 our, in our first song earlier, the Spirit brings the Word alive. And, and, and through that, we have faith in Christ. And so, uh, so Paul's praying. sequence he gets to, and, and now uh, he explains what exactly it is he wants us to do. What, what's the, the goal, the goal of this prayer, this time of prayer, the point. So he's praying that they may have strength, so that Christ may grow in the hearts of their faith. And now, uh, and this is my, this is getting into my second point, my experience this way with prayer. So the second half of 17, that you being rooted and grounded in love, they have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So, back in verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Have a, uh, if, if I knew Greek better, I could tell you all what this is called. I, I can try. But that you being rooted and grounded in faith. grounded in love. So when Christ is in our heart, God is like that place in our heart, we are necessarily rooted and grounded in love. And uh, and this this is, we look at a few passages, this, this is a, uh, it's no surprise. We see in 1 John 4, 19, we love him because he first loved us. We see in 1 John 4, 8, anyone who does not love does not know God because God is love. Romans 5, 5, God's love has been so to know Christ, to, to trust in Christ, the, the emotions cannot be unaffected. To truly have a true living faith in Christ, your, your heart cannot, cannot be unaffected. It's impossible. Uh, to, to say the contrary is to say that you don't know God. So, so when, when Christ Our, our emotions are not affected, and that's what Paul. That's what Paul's getting at here, and, and he. That's what he's wanting here, and so we're rooted and grounded in love. In this state, we're rooted and grounded in love, and God's love. 
So, so going on, he says this, you being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and all the love of Christ that passes knowledge. This is the goal here. This is what he wants us to know. That, that by this power of the Spirit working through faith, that Christ takes a central position in their hearts, and now they have the strength to comprehend the love of Christ. All, all dimensions, it says, uh, the height, sorry, the, the breadth and length and height and depth. That is all of it. He, won't, he, he doesn't want to read any, any part of this uh, this book. He wants us to comprehend all the love of God and all, all the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. So, so, so let's break down that statement. This, this, this is key here. He says, as you being rooted and grounded in love, and again, this is We may have the strength to comprehend, that is, understand, see, take hold of, comprehend with all the saints, that is, all believers, what is the breadth and length and height and depth and every dimension, nothing hidden, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge. So he's saying, I want you, I want you to know every, all, all the fullness of Christ's love that surpasses knowledge. This, this isn't something, and then that key is that key that phrase is important. Surpassing knowledge goes beyond knowledge. This is not something that we simply learn. This is something here that we that Christ has given us. That this is this is not a, Paul's not speaking here of a, of a doctrine to learn or a uh, or, or or something to memorize or commit to memory, but rather he's telling them, I want you to experience Christ. That you don't get here through knowledge. This is beyond knowledge. Power of the Spirit working through faith in Christ, that Christ is in your heart, rooted and grounded in love. And from here, Christ in your heart, you have the strength to comprehend the fullness, not not grasp, but to comprehend uh, the full the fullness of the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, or, or or rather to experience the love of Christ. Again, this is goes beyond knowledge, and, and that. And, Sums it up in verse 19, saying, And to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So, so, so to, to, to know, and again, God's love, to know God is to love God. And, and this is what Paul wants us to do, is to know the love of Christ. It, it, he, he's, he's, he's saying here, that's what it means to be filled with all the fullness of God. He wants us to know. This isn't, this isn't a default. Christian, you're not all of a sudden filled with all the fullness of God as a Christian. The Holy Spirit dwells in you, but He wants to press on. He, he, he wants them to experience the, the riches of God's glorious grace. This, this true experiential knowledge of, of Christ. And, uh, and, and, and he, he wants them to get this. And, and, uh, and I want this, and I hope we all want this. There is, this book is glorious 
comprehend and experience this love of Christ. That, that we, uh, we as Christians, we, we, we're the only religion that concerns a real God. That every other religion, they, they may believe in something. They may have, a, you, know, you take a, a Buddhist, he believes that if he, if he uh, empties himself, he may come to the state of peace or whatever. He may experience a real temporary form of peace or, or some sort. He's never going to truly be satisfied. You got, you got uh, a Muslim who believes that if he, if he satisfies Allah, he, he may make it to paradise. And they have, they have, they have faith. Christ, who really was, who really is, who really is to come, he is the one true king, and he, and he and, and, and all God is the real God, that we, we have something different, that the Holy Spirit comes and makes residence in us, we, we serve a living God, a God who, uh, who is the same yesterday and today and forever, we, we don't serve a, a, a false God, he doesn't, he's not active, he doesn't, he doesn't uh, hear strengthened by that, but the, the world can't know that. It's impossible for the world, it's impossible for non-believers to know this truth. This is something unique to the, the Christian, the believer. And more than that, Paul, Paul would have them experience a greater strength, a greater grasp on, on the love of Christ. And, uh, and that's what that's what I, I, I pray that, that we would because, because what, what we broken down here isn't, there isn't a, uh, necessarily a doctrine we should take away, but rather and there is the doctrine of, of the Holy Spirit, but but I want us to realize that there is, and I'll, and I'll draw this out in my conclusion I'll, I'll conclude on this and, and kind of practically lay this out, but this is something we should desire. We should desire to feel the Holy Spirit in our life. We should desire That's what I want. That's what I want us to realize. We're not alone in this world. We, 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 we have a real spirit dwelling in us, and, and we can experience it. And, and that, that, that's a real promise. I don't want to shy away because of there, there is error out there in regards to the Holy Spirit. I don't want us to shy away from the fact that we do have a real spirit who, who really does encourage us, who really does strengthen us, and uh, and just kind of in. Well, yeah, in conclusion. I'll lay out just the practical application because the question is, well, how do we how do we experience this, right? Because we lay this out, but how how do I get this for myself? And so we, we see that Paul prays for them, but he doesn't he doesn't he doesn't tell them to do this or do that, but he asks the Father, is it is it something we, we can muster up in ourselves? And then this isn't something that's uh, the this strength this this experiential knowledge of Christ. Very simply uh, put here in Luke chapter 11. And I'll go back and read, uh, I'll go back and read more, more of this chapter. Practical application. 
but uh, verse 13, he said, If you then who are evil know how to give good, give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? And, and, and so it's, it's simple, brothers and sisters, that, that we, Paul, Paul was a man in like manner with us, and, and, and he, he, he was praying, uh, not, not as some super Christian, but he was using gifts for some stuff. But we, we have the same access to the Father that the individual students received us uh, in the same, the same letter. So we, we can ask the same thing Paul asked for the Ephesians, for ourselves and for our brothers and sisters. And, and, and this is, again, this is not some, some, um, this is, this is real experience. So we'll uh, just just kind of end. Well, this this is the last thing I'll draw out here. But starting at Luke uh, eleven, say verse five, we'll read through, and, and we're going to see something about prayer that this is important. So Luke eleven five, and he said to them that. said to them, which of you who has, a, who has a friend will go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within, do not bother me, the door is now shut, my children are with me in bed, I cannot get up and give him anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything, it's because he is his friend, yet because of his impudence, uh, the King James says importunity. He will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks it will be opened. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of the fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, he will give him a scorpion? If you then who are evil know, know how to give Word, the one word that I want, I want to draw your attention to is in verse 8, that is that's, that's a uh, perseverance or, or, or a uh, or just, just a, a resolve. It's, it's not giving up. You're banging on the door, it's not giving up. And, and that's the idea Jesus lays out for prayer for those who ask. He says, don't, don't give up. Struggle Jesus says that sometimes you've got to bang on the door. You've got, you got to keep knocking. But the Heavenly Father, He gives good gifts. And uh, if we being evil know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more the Heavenly Father with the Holy Spirit to us? And, 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 the whole, and He doesn't... Well, the Holy Spirit, I, I would draw a straight line, a parallel to the strength that Paul has by the Spirit, the power by the Spirit. And we can ask for that. The same way Paul did, we can ask for ourselves Every church, 
Paul prayed. Paul prayed for the whole church. But but this is an experiential knowledge of Christ that we get through the, through the power of the Spirit, working working faith through Christ. And and this is something for us today. It's something that that we don't can just get by default. Let's pray. Lord, I...